As you're being seated, I want to invite you to open your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4 is where we will begin our time together in God's Word. I like the story I read this past week about late Supreme Court Justice Oliver Wendell Holmes. He was 88 years old, late in life, and he was traveling on a train as the train was making its way to its destination. The conductor of the train made it his way back through the cabin to get the tickets from all of the passengers. And as he approached Justice Holmes, he noticed that Justice Holmes was upset. He was frantically searching for his ticket. And after a minute, the conductor finally said, don't worry, sir, the Pennsylvania Railroad trusts you. When you get to your destination and you find your ticket, you can just mail it back to us. This is not a problem for us. And Justice Holmes looked at the conductor and he said, young man, my problem is not where is my ticket. My problem is where am I going? It's vitally important for us to know our purpose in life. What are we doing? Where are we going? Why are we doing what we are doing? And why are we going where we are going? If we don't know our purpose, we can't fulfill our purpose. Thankfully, God has shared our purpose with us in his word. In Matthew chapter 4, as we've been looking at this passage over the past couple of weeks, I'll begin reading again in verse 18. Matthew said, as Jesus was walking along the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Follow me, he told them, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Going on from, he, from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with Zebedee, their father, preparing their nets, and he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Our purpose is to glorify God as witnesses for God. We glorify God. We please God as we point others to God and as we tell others about God. We glorify God as witnesses for God by the power of God at work in our lives. Jesus told us here, he told these disciples, same is true for you and me, I will make you fish for people. God fills us with his power so we can fulfill his purpose. As Jesus was preparing to ascend back into heaven to sit at the right hand of the throne of God, he told his disciples and followers in Acts chapter 1, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. The Holy Spirit takes residence in us when God saves us, and the Holy Spirit empowers us to be witnesses for Jesus. Our part in God's purpose is to follow Jesus. Jesus said, follow me. Follow Jesus means to come after Jesus, to draw near to Jesus, to live like Jesus, to love like Jesus. Following Jesus sounds so simple and basic, and that's because it is. As Christ followers, we follow Christ. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus walked. However, following Jesus is not always easy. 
We face the battle within. They're saved by God's grace. We still battle with our sinful flesh, which desires things that are against the Holy Spirit of God who lives within us. This is why Peter challenged us to stay alert spiritually and to abstain from the sinful desires that rage inside us. We also face the battle from without. Satan is our enemy. Scripture calls him the evil one, the ruler of this world. World, again, being defined as those who are living in opposition to God and rebellion against God. Paul told us in Ephesians chapter 2 that Satan is the one who is the ruler of this world, and he is the one at work in those who are disobedient. Satan's goal is to keep people from coming to know Jesus as their Savior and Lord. Satan's goal is to keep us, those of us who have a relationship with Jesus, from following Jesus. And so we know and understand how important it is for us to live for Jesus. Important for us to follow after him. As we seek to bring glory to him, we're able to follow after him. And so he is, Satan is the father of lies. And so we know in order to accomplish his goal, all he can do is lie to us and try to deceive us because lying is his native language. That's all he can do. And so as we fill our minds with the truth of God's word, we are able to recognize and resist the lies and accusations and tactics and temptations of our enemy Satan as he tries to keep us from following Jesus. This is one of the reasons why the psalmist said, I have hidden your word in my heart, God, so that I might not sin against you. We must remember that we fight from victory, not for victory, because we've already won the victory by God's grace through our faith in Jesus. Amen? We are victors and overcomers in Christ Jesus. And like the disciples, we fulfill our purpose as we follow Jesus. So let's continue looking at some ways in which we're able to follow Jesus this morning. The first way we follow Jesus, uh, we covered this and spent most of our time last Sunday on this first point. We follow Jesus by giving to Jesus. The disciples gave their lives, their time, their talents, and their treasures to Jesus as he commanded them to follow him, which is exactly what they did. We give our lives to God by God's grace through our faith in Jesus. We give our time, talents, and treasures to God because our time, talents, and treasures are gifts to us from God. And so there's many reasons why we are to give to Jesus. Just a few reasons why we're to give. Number one, we give because God is a giver. When you think about it, there has never been and there never will be a better giver than God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. We have new life, abundant life, eternal life with God by faith in Jesus. All we are and all we have is from God. God is the giver of all good gifts. Every good and perfect gift is from God above. A second reason we give is because God commands us to give. God commands us to give because giving is best for us. God knows this. Giving is best for us. God commands us to give to him because God loves to give to us. And Jesus was certainly correct when he said it is better to give than to 
receive. And then we also give because giving is a blessing for us. We are blessed as we give to God and others. And certainly many of us, if not all of us, could give testimony to that blessing. We're blessed as we give to God and others. Others are blessed as we give to God and to others. When you stop and think about it, it's actually a blast for us to give. As we give ourselves, our time, our talents, and our treasures to God, we join God in his work, in his world, which is an awesome and incredible blessing for us and for all those who are around us. We cannot go wrong giving to Jesus. And so we know one of the ways we follow Jesus is by giving to Jesus. These disciples learned this early on. Jesus said, follow me. And they were in a position where they had family. They had their jobs, their fishing business. They were around their boats. They were in their familiar place doing their familiar job day after day after day. And immediately, Jesus, in calling them to follow him, he was calling them to give to him, to give themselves, their schedules, their calendars, their focus, their jobs, their family, the familiar. He was saying, I need you to give to me. And that giving would be exhibited as they followed Jesus. And that's what they did immediately. Matthew told us immediately they dropped everything. They left everything. And they followed Jesus. And so we understand this as well today. I'm sure you could give testimony to this. When it comes to following Jesus, it's going to require us to give to Jesus, to give ourselves to him, to give our time to him. He's in charge of our time. To give our talents to him. He's in charge of our, our talents, our abilities, our gifts, our skills. To give our treasures to him. He's in charge of all that we have because all that we have is from him. And we're able to continue fulfilling our purpose as we give to Jesus. A second way that we follow Jesus that I want us to spend the majority of our time focusing on today is we follow Jesus by growing in Jesus. We follow Jesus by not just giving to Jesus, but growing in Jesus. As we follow Jesus, we will grow in our faith in Jesus. As we grow in our faith in Jesus, we will follow Jesus. This is a blessing. This is a grace to us this morning. For God to allow us to be together here in person or online and to focus our attention once again on this fundamental discipline, this fundamental spiritual grace that is growing in our faith and trust in Christ Jesus. And so we know how important this is for you and for me today. The disciples did this. As they followed Jesus, they grew in their faith in Jesus. And so we know and understand how important it is for us to do the same, to grow in our faith in Jesus. Let's look at some reasons why we need to grow. Uh, we'll look at some reasons why we're to grow in Jesus. We looked at some reasons why we're to give to Jesus. Let's look at some reasons why we're to grow in Jesus. The first reason is God wants us to grow. We need to grow because God wants us to grow. This is good news for us. When you stop and think about it, it's good news for us. When God saved us by his grace, 
through our faith in Christ Jesus, he didn't tell us, all right, you're good now, and uh, you've received my gift of salvation, so you're on your own. Hope it works out well for you. I may or may not check in with you. I'll just kind of sit back and watch and see how you do. Good luck. No, Scripture tells us that God carries on the good work of salvation that he began in us by our faith in Jesus by continuing to grow us into maturity in Christ Jesus. Jesus, as we just read at the beginning of Matthew, Jesus called his disciples to follow him. And they did. They gave themselves to Jesus and they began following him. Shortly after he called his disciples to follow him, Jesus then taught them what it means to follow him. He taught them how not only to give to him, but to grow in him. And we see this in Matthew chapter 7. Just look to your right, turn to a couple of chapters to your right. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus taught them how to follow him in the Sermon on the Mount. And towards the end of this Sermon on the Mount, Jesus shared with these disciples one of the reasons why they are to grow, and that's because God wants them to grow. And so we see in Matthew 7, beginning in verse 24, Jesus was ending the Sermon on the Mount, and he said, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the rivers rose, and the winds blew and pounded that house, yet it didn't collapse because its foundation was on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't act on them will be like the foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the rivers rose, and the winds blew and pounded that house, and it collapsed. It collapsed with a great crash. Growing in our faith in Jesus Following Jesus happens as we give to Jesus. Following Jesus happens as we grow in Jesus. Growing our faith in Jesus includes acting on his words. It includes obeying his words. It includes putting his words into action in our lives. Ignoring God's words to us in his word or relying on our power and wisdom to live God's way each day will not work out for us. That's what Jesus is saying. With, for those who ignore his words, for those who hear his words, read his words, but choose not to obey his words, they're like the foolish man who built his house on the sand. He's sharing here the importance of spiritual maturity and spiritual growth through growing in Jesus. James agreed, and James said in James chapter 1, Consider it all joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many various different kinds, because the testing of your faith produces perseverance and endurance. He said, now let endurance have its full effect. Let endurance do its full work, so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing in your faith in Jesus. Peter commanded us to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Paul challenged Timothy and us as he said, all scripture is inspired by God and it's useful for teaching us, rebuking us, correcting us, and training us in righteousness so the man and woman of God will be complete, equipped, mature, ready and able to do all that God wants us to do. It's clear God wants us to grow into maturity in Christ Jesus. And the more we grow in our faith in Jesus, the more we realize how far we still have to grow in our faith 
in Jesus. A second reason we need to grow is because we simply need to grow. Another point about growing in Jesus is we need to grow. Jesus told us in the Great Commission, teach others to observe and obey everything I have commanded you in my word. Teach them to obey all that I've commanded you. Well, that means we must continue to grow in our faith in Jesus because we can't teach what we don't know, so we must continue to grow in our faith in Jesus so we can live for Jesus, so we can follow Jesus, so we can grow in our faith in Jesus, so we can teach others to grow in their faith in Jesus. The Apostle Paul focused on this point at a particular time in his relationship with the believers in Philippi. Paul loved the believers in Philippi. The believers in Philippi loved Paul. They had a very close relationship. Paul had founded that church, planted that church, and that church ministered to Paul throughout his ministry and Paul to the church. And there was a point in time with these believers in the church in Philippi when they actually thought that Paul had attained Christ-likeness. They thought that Paul had already been made perfect in his walk with the Lord, which means they thought Paul didn't need to continue growing in his faith in Jesus because he had attained spiritual maturity, meaning he knew it all, he could do it all. They made the mistake of thinking that he had already been made perfect in his faith in Christ. And Paul corrected them quickly and told them, listen, one thing I do, Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. In other words, Paul said, listen, I have not attained Christ-likeness. I have not already been made perfect. He said, I am continuing to grow in my faith in Jesus. I am continuing to grow into maturity in Christ Jesus. And so what was true of Paul is also true of us today. Paul knew, like we know today, there's no retirement plan in the Christian life on this side of glory. We know where we're headed. We know what's to come. But there's no retirement plan on the Christian Christian life on this side of glory. No matter what age or stage of life we are in, no matter what point we're in in life, we are to continue growing into maturity in Christ Jesus. You see, we need to continue to grow so that we can bring glory to God. We need to continue to grow so that we can live God's way each day. We need to continue to grow so we can make disciples of all nations. We need to continue to grow so that we can teach others to grow in their faith in Christ Jesus. We need to continue to grow so we can fulfill our purpose to glorify God as witnesses for God by the power of God at work in us. A third truth about this growth is God gives us growth. God gives us growth. We do not grow spiritually solely based on our efforts. We don't grow spiritually solely based on the efforts of others for us. Now, we know and understand, according to the Word of God, God uses us to help others grow. And God uses others to help us grow. So we see this all throughout the scriptures. But we also know and understand, and we must not make any mistake about this, God is the one who produces spiritual growth in us. God is the one 
who grows us into maturity in Christ Jesus. God who is the, is the one who works in us by his Holy Spirit in us, and he draws us closer and closer to him. He makes us more and more like him. Again, Paul highlighted this reality in his letter to the believers of the church in Corinth. There was a point in time when the believers in the church in Corinth were boasting and bragging about their favorite pastor or leader, their favorite preacher or teacher. Some in the church in Corinth were saying, I follow Paul because Paul's the best. And others were saying, no, 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 I follow Apollos because Apollos is the best. And Paul found out about this and he quickly spoke to them. He quickly rebuked them. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, if you want to jot this address down, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, beginning in verse 5, this is what Paul said. What then is Apollos? What is Paul? They are servants through whom you believed, and each has the role the Lord has given. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. Say that with me out loud. But God gave the growth. So then neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. Say that with me out loud again. But only God who gives the growth. Paul, in a very clear way, reminded these believers in the church in Corinth and us that God is the one who gives us spiritual growth. God is the one who produces growth in us. God is the one who produces Christ-likeness in us. God is the one who is working in us to will and to work according to his good purpose for us. God is the one who is transforming us into the likeness of his son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. God is the one who is renewing our minds on the truth of his word so that we can become more like Jesus. And Paul reminded these believers, if we have any reason to boast, as they were boasting in the created, not the creator, as they were boasting in the made, not the maker, Paul said, hey, listen, if we've got one reason, the one reason that we have to boast is this. We can only boast in the Lord God Almighty. We can only boast in him, in his power, in his peace, in his plan for us, in his work in us. We can only boast in his name, in his fame, in his honor, in his glory, because life is his story. And he refocused them so that they could continue growing in Jesus. A fourth truth about growing in Jesus is we grow as we devote ourselves to God. And it certainly makes sense to us if God is the one who produces spiritual growth in us, then we must devote ourselves to God. The disciples did this. They gave themselves to Jesus. They left everything for Jesus, and they grew in their faith in Jesus as they followed Jesus. The believers in the churches in the New Testament did this. As we look at these churches, and we could look at each of the churches in the New Testament, we could see evidence of how they devoted themselves to God. And in so doing, they grew in their faith in God. Certainly the believers in the first church in Jerusalem did this. In Acts chapter 2, turn with me to Acts chapter 2 real quickly. Acts chapter 2, we see this clearly in Luke's account of this church. And the first church in Jerusalem was the church that birthed all the other New Testament churches because the church spread and grew from this first church in Jerusalem. And it continues to spread and grow today with us and through us and by us. 
And so we see here in the testimony and the account from Luke about this first church in Jerusalem and how they devoted themselves to God as they followed Jesus. We see in Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 40, with many other words, he, that's Peter, testified and strongly urged those there in Jerusalem, saying, be saved from this corrupt generation. So those who accepted Peter's message were baptized, and that day about 3,000 people were added to them. We focused on this last week about how uh, these folks placed their faith and trust in Christ Jesus. They accepted the message that salvation is a gift of God by his grace through faith in Christ Jesus. They received that gift. They were then baptized in obedience to the Word of God, and they joined the local church there in Jerusalem. Then in verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. They devoted themselves. That literally means they continued steadfastly in their faith in God. They continued steadfastly in their pursuit of God. They gave themselves constantly to God. And so we see from their testimony in this church, we see from the testimony in the other churches throughout the New Testament that are recorded for us here in God's Word, we must devote ourselves to God. We must devote ourselves to Him. We grow in our faith in God as we give ourselves constantly to God. God must be first with us because God is in charge of us. As Jesus said, but seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and then everything else will be added unto you. So we seek God first. Thankfully, the Holy Spirit of God living in us helps us, encourages us, empowers us to seek God first. We need to seek God first so that we can think about ourselves God's way. We need to seek God first so we can think about others God's way. We need to seek God first so that we can see ourselves God's way. We need to seek God first so we can see others God's way. We need to seek God first so that we can respond to others God's way. We need to seek God first so that we can minister to others God's way. We need to seek God first so that we can love others God's way. We need to seek God first so we can communicate with others God's way. We need to seek God first so that we can please him in all we do and say. We must seek God first. We must devote ourselves to God. He's first with us because he's in charge of us. And then we must also, in this example, we must devote ourselves to God's word. The scripture here tells us, Luke tells us, that these believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and the apostles were teaching the word of God. The apostles were teaching, in particular, the Old Testament scriptures, because that's what they had. And they were showing these believers from the Old Testament scriptures that Jesus was the promised Messiah in the Old Testament that had been revealed to them in the New Testament. They were teaching what Jesus had taught them. They were teaching what God was speaking to them and through them by the inspiration and power of his Holy Spirit in them. Their devotion to God produced in them a devotion to God's word. And so we must devote ourselves to reading and studying and obeying God's word. As we devote ourselves to God's word, we will grow in our knowledge of God, our love for God, our obedience to God, our trust in God. It's so vitally important for us to develop 
the daily discipline of spending time with God in his word and in prayer. We have devotion guides in uh, the atrium area and online reading plans, Bible reading plans uh, helps so that we all can go and be encouraged to develop, to renew, to refresh, to strengthen that habit, that spiritual discipline of spending time with God in his word and in prayer on a daily basis. It's so vitally important for you and for me to spend this time with God, to devote ourselves to God's word. It's like the guy who said, when I miss one day with God, I know it. When I miss two days in a row with God, my wife knows it. When I miss three days in a row with God, everyone around me knows it. And there's truth to that. We need to spend time with God. As we follow Jesus, we give to Jesus. As we follow Jesus, we grow in Jesus. And then we see as well, uh, we must devote ourselves to God's people. We see this. These believers were devoted to the fellowship. That means they were devoted to one another. They're brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. We're family in Jesus. And God wants us to devote ourselves to one another. To do life together as brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. And so like these believers in Jerusalem, like the believers in the other New Testament churches, we must devote ourselves to encouraging one another, <clears throat> to fellowshipping with one another, to praying for one another, to praying with one another, to giving generously to one another, to studying God's word together, and to worshiping God together, and to praising God together. <clears throat> we need to continue developing and spending <clears throat> that commitment, that devotion to God's people. We are better, we are healthier, we are stronger together in Christ Jesus. And as you know, I'm sure, <clears throat> there are over 30, over 30 one another commands in the New Testament alone that we cannot fulfill without being devoted to one another <clears throat> as brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. There's many reasons for us to devote ourselves to God, his word, and his people. Many reasons that we see in the scriptures. Many reasons that we see in the testimony of our own lives. Let me just share a couple. One reason why we need to devote ourselves to God, his word, and his people is because trials will come our way. Trials will come our way. You know this. I know this. As we looked in the passage earlier, Matthew chapter 7, Jesus did say, the rain fell, the rivers rose, and the wind blew and pounded against the house of the <clears throat> wise and foolish person. James told us God uses trials to grow us in our faith. Satan uses those trials to try to slow us in our faith. God uses trials in our lives to draw us closer to him. Satan tries to use those same trials to pull us away from God. Trials are going to come our way. God was honest with us in his word. We see this throughout his word. We see this in uh, the heroes of the faith. We see this in the men and women in the scriptures. We see this in our own lives. Trials are going to come our way. You might be right in the middle of a challenging trial in your life. Maybe it's the, the greatest time of trial in your life. Trials should not stress us, surprise us, or derail us. As we devote ourselves to God, his word, and his people, we will be able to grow in Jesus in and through our times of trial. And as we devote ourselves to God, his word, and his people, we will be able to be effective witnesses for Jesus on the mountaintops of life, in the valleys of life, and at every point and place 
in between. As the psalmist told us years ago, I keep the Lord in mind always because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. As we focus on God, we will not be shaken. As we turn to God, we will not be shaken. As we talk with God, we will not be shaken. As we think about God, we will not be shaken. As we trust in God, we will not be shaken. The minute we turn away from God, we will be shaken. The minute we rely on our power, we will be shaken. The minute we rely and trust in our wisdom, we will be shaken. The minute we look to the world, we will be shaken. The minute we listen to the world, we will be shaken. The minute we live like the world, we will be shaken. We must devote ourselves to God, his word, and his people so that we can continue growing in our faith in Jesus in and through the trials that come our way. A second reason is discouragement is real. We need to devote ourselves to God, his word, and his people because discouragement is real. We see this throughout God's word. David, Elijah, Moses, Peter, just to name a few, struggled with discouragement in their lives at times. We will struggle with discouragement at times in our lives. Listen, it's okay not to be okay. We know this, we understand this. It's okay not to be okay, but when we're discouraged, when we're not okay, we must turn to God, his word, and his people because that's how God comforts us, encourages us, helps us, and makes us okay. I'm amazed as I constantly look at these New Testament churches. The believers in these churches consistently shared their needs with one another. As you read these letters to these individual churches, these believers consistently shared their needs with one another because they knew it was okay to have needs. They knew it was okay to not be okay. This allowed their brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus in their local churches and towns, but also their brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus outside their local churches and towns, and allowed them the joy and privilege to pray for them, to pray with them, and to give to them. And they did this in amazing ways. You know, the truth is, oftentimes God meets the needs of his people through his people. God meets the needs in his family by his family members. God meets our needs through one another because we're brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. We're family. It may be through a prayer, a smile, an encouraging word, a scripture verse, a listening ear, an encouraging phone call, an encouraging email, an encouraging text. God meets our needs through one another. Since discouragement is real, we must be encouragers. In order to be the encouragers God wants us to be, we must devote ourselves to him, his word, and his people. As the writer of Hebrews told us in Hebrews 3 and verse 13, we're to encourage one another daily while it's still called today so that none of you is hardened by sin's deception. Encouragement helps us to stay focused on the Lord. Encouragement helps us to grow in our faith in the Lord. Encouragement helps us to resist the deception 
of the lies and the temptations of our enemy. We need to encourage one another. We need to receive encouragement from one another. And the more we grow in our faith in God, the more we are encouraged by God. And the more we are encouraged by God, the more we want to encourage one another. Encouragement is something that we say and show to one another as brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. And so as we look at this passage once again, we understand as we share often, God's work in us is always for us. Always. God's work in you right now is for you. There's a purpose. There's a reason why he's speaking to you here at home or streaming, wherever you may be. He's speaking directly to you about what is most important for you because he's pinpointed that in your life. But we also know God's work in us is also for those he places around us because his work is best for us, which allows us to be best for those around us. So as we devote ourselves to God, his word, and his people, God grows us in our faith in him. God blesses us and meets all of our needs. God uses us to bless others and to meet others' needs. And as we devote ourselves to God, his word, and his people, we're able to fulfill our purpose to glorify God as witnesses for God by the power of God at work in our lives. As we grow in our faith in Jesus, everyone wins. As we give to Jesus, everyone wins. We win and all those around us. And in particular, as we grow in our faith in Jesus, we become more effective as witnesses for Jesus. We become more effective at pointing others to Jesus. We become more effective at telling others about Jesus. As we grow in our faith in Jesus, we fall deeper in love with Jesus, which helps us then to live and love like Jesus. Let me ask you to bow in prayer. Our worship team is going to come and they're going to lead in a time of response. Our pastors, our ministers will be down here at the front and they would love to pray with you, encourage you in any way that you may need or desire. You can make your way to them and they will certainly pray for you or pray with you. I want us to just spend this time as God is speaking to us, obviously focusing in on, on growing us into maturity in Christ Jesus. Then. My brother, my sister in Christ Jesus, let me encourage you to renew your passion, your desire to grow in your faith in Jesus. Renew that pursuit of Jesus day by day, day, by day as, as he's revealed an area in your life or maybe a decision you need to make, a change you need to make. Tell him you'll do that today, this week. Don't let anything Stand in your way of growing in Jesus. Ask God to help you to look for those opportunities as you grow in Jesus to, to encourage and to help others to grow in their faith in Jesus. And then as we share each week, we can't grow in our faith in Jesus until we enter a relationship with Jesus. We must know Jesus in order to grow in Jesus. And the gospel message is clear 
as we've shared already this morning, Jesus came to this earth and he took our place on the cross. He paid our price for sin. He died on the cross. He was buried in the tomb and he rose again victorious over sin and death for you and me on the third day. He's alive today and he desires a relationship with us and his purpose in coming to rescue us from our sins was because we needed to be rescued. We need to be rescued. We can't get to God on our own because that sin in our life separates us from God. And so if you've never received God's gift of salvation, then I want to challenge, I want to encourage you, I want to implore you to do so today, to cry out to God, wherever you may be here or streaming online, just to cry out to God and confess your sin to God. Tell God you're ready to repent. That means to turn around, to turn from living your way and to turn to him and begin living his way. And that you confess your sin to him and then just declare to God that you believe Jesus is your Savior, that you believe he died on the cross in your place, he was buried, he rose again, and he's alive today and the only way into a relationship with God is by faith in Jesus. And then just cry out and ask Jesus to come into your life, change you from the inside out. He will do it be able to begin growing in your faith in Jesus as a follower of Jesus from that point forward. Let's respond in obedience to the Lord as he continues speaking to us this morning. Let's stand, say yes to the Lord.